Welcome to the Heart of the Father podcast. We're glad you're here and able to listen in. We're praying the Lord will speak to your heart through this message and that you be transformed more and more into the image of Christ. We're going to get into it today in a good way. As I've been preparing for today, um, I have uh, really felt um, the Lord's grief over the state of our nation and um, the things that are going on in the community. So today we're going to address uh, Pride Month and the gender identity crisis. And when I think about the word grief, there's two emotions that are mixed with grief love and hate. We love people. God loves people, but he hates the sin. He hates the wickedness. He hates the rebellion, but he loves those made in his image. And so uh, this morning, as I share, as Um, We have someone coming up to testify as well. Um, It's okay that it's sober for us in here. I believe we need more clarity. We need more compassion. We need more conviction as a community, as the church who represents the Lord Jesus. So I want us to be uh, very careful in how we approach things like this. So I'm going to pray and get us started. Father, we thank you for your great mercy that you have shown towards us all in this room, that you have been merciful towards us, that when we were sinners, you came, you died for our sins, the sins that we committed, you put them upon Christ. And he was the perfect sacrifice for us. And now we have been declared righteous before you. The very righteousness of Christ has been imputed to us. And so we stand before you, blameless sons and daughters. God, we thank you. We're so grateful for the glorious gospel of grace. God, we thank you for grace in our lives. We thank you for grace in our families. We thank you for grace in this community, Lord. God, we hold on and cling to your grace. If it were not for your grace, God, we would not be here today. So we thank you, Lord, for your gospel of grace, God. And we just pray, and I pray and ask that you would touch our hearts with compassion, with conviction, with clarity this morning. That as we look upon these issues in the earth, Lord, that you would speak to us the truth and that we would be a beacon of light that your church would be the pillar and the foundation of the truth, that your word would shine brightly in this generation. So Spirit of Truth, come. Holy Spirit of Truth, come. Speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I'm going to share for a little bit, but also... Um, I want to, thank you, dear. 
I want to invite up Carissa Frampton. So if you don't know Carissa, um, my wife and I have had the privilege of knowing her since 2016. Uh, we met her down in Stewart, Florida, when my wife and I were on staff at a church called Revive Church. We met her there and have been on a journey with her for the past several years as she has come out of a homosexual lifestyle. Um, also, I want to put this out there as well. If you have small children in the room, um, this may not be the appropriate topic for them to be in here with, but I'll let you use your own discretion as parents. But uh, we've had the privilege of walking with her the past several years, and she loves Jesus, and she loves the truth, and there's such a call and a grace on her life to preach freedom to this generation. And so she has been doing that, um, but also she's been in an all-out fight in war. So, we're going to hear from her in a moment, but I want to help paint a picture of where we're at. So, um, Dr. Michael Brown, most of you are familiar with him. If not, you should be. Incredible man of God. He wrote a book called Outlasting the Gay Revolution in 2015, and um, he shares um, some perspective and maybe even more than perspective. He, I believe he was speaking prophetically uh, when he wrote this book and he began to paint the picture of where the culture is heading. And here's what he has to say. It's in a, a, on a, the introduction. It's a, a topic he says, I hate, I, I hate to say I told you so. And here's what he said in 2014. He wrote this in an article for townhall.com. And he says, for years I've been sounding the alarm about the impending social, cultural, and spiritual crisis. And for years, critics have compared me to Chicken Little, discounting my warnings as the ravings of a hysterical religious fundamentalist. Well, it's a little late for that now. Ten years ago, I charted this progression and made this prediction. First, gay activists come out of the closet. Second, they demand their rights. Third, they demand that everyone recognizes those rights. Fourth, they want to strip away the rights of those who oppose them. And fifth, they want to put those who oppose their rights into the closet. And he paints a similar picture using some different words here. First, it's about embracing diversity, which means embracing all kinds of sexual orientation, sexual expressions, or gender identifications. Second, it's about tolerance, where there's complete acceptance of those who live a different lifestyle. And then it goes a step further, and there's inclusion, where we not only accept them, but we have to support we have to sponsor, we have to encourage them in their lifestyle. And then fourth, there's hate. Anyone who does not agree with or support or encourage or accept or embrace, you are therefore hating them. And the end result, he goes on to say this, that corporate America will embrace every aspect of non-heterosexuality including bisexuality, transgender, and beyond, 
calling for the dismissal of those who refuse to follow suit. And religious groups will no longer be allowed to view homosexual practice as immoral, branding such opposition as hate speech. So that was in 2014. And uh, just um, six days ago, Dr. Brown did a poll through his own Twitter account. And he wrote an article about it. It's called The Human Side of LGBTQ Pride and the Predicament It Causes for Loving Christians. And in this little poll, he asked around, um, or a, thousand, around a little over a thousand people responded to this poll. And here was the question he was asking. He was asking, is there any way I can lovingly say that I believe homosexuality, that practice, is sinful? Or if I don't affirm transgender identity, or do those very statements constitute hate in your eyes? So in other words, if I say to you, homosexual practice is a sin, is that hateful or not? And so there are around 76 people uh, who responded to that who were, they, as they would identify themselves as not LGBT. 76% of those who responded as not LGBT of the, that percentage, 85% said that kind of statement is not hate speech. They said, no, you can tell people that homosexual practice is sin, and you don't have to affirm their lifestyle. Well, those 24% who responded to this poll, they were pro-LGBT, whether they lived that lifestyle or they just were an ally of them. 24% responded to his, po- his poll, And of the 24%, 85% said that's hate speech. They said, you can't tell me that homosexual practice is sinful and you need to affirm me. So do you see the predicament we're in where 85% of a group says, no, it's not hate speech. But then the 85% of those who are part of the LGBT community, whether by practice or by ally, they say it's hate speech. And I want to make a statement here. I believe that this is absolutely the crisis of my generation. And that in every nation, the devil has a unique plan on how he will go about trying to destroy people, and more importantly, the church of the Lord. And I believe one of the primary ways he is trying to suffocate the church is through political legislation. The devil's plan is to legislate lawlessness in this nation specifically, to intimidate and suffocate the church so that she will either have to submit and obey the law of the land, or she will either have to submit and obey the law of the Lord. That is the trajectory we're heading in. It's going to be one or another. So, as a church, there's four statements um, as an eldership team that we stand by wholeheartedly, and we're actually going to put these up on the screen. And as a church, this is where we stand. This is what we believe. And so... I believe if you love Jesus, you'll stand with us. 
You'll stand with the word of God. You'll stand with his church. Um, if you do not love Jesus, then this will put you in a divine conflict. And um, that's okay. So statement number one, if we could put that on the screen. As a church and leadership team, we affirm that the Bible is God's word, breathed out by him. The word of God is inerrant, infallible, and will always be the final authority for determining what is true and what is right. We believe all truth claims and ethical standards must be tested and judged by God's written word, which is the Bible. If you agree with that, you can say amen. Amen. So, according to the Bible, the Bible clearly defines that marriage is between one man and one woman. You can see Genesis 1, verse 26 through 28, or Genesis chapter 2, verse 18 through 25, or Mark 10, verse 6 through 9, or Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 through 20, 33. The Word of God clearly defines that humans have been created by God to be either a biological male or a biological female. You can see Genesis 1, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 27, or chapter 5, verses 1 through 2, or Matthew 19, verse uh, 4. And God's Word has clearly defined that committing homosexual acts is sinful before God and goes against His original and natural design for man and woman. You can see Romans chapter 1, verse 26 through 27, or 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. That is the word of God. So with these things in mind, it is clear that anyone who says that they are a Christian, who says they follow Jesus, and they actively live a lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, or queer lifestyle, is either one, deeply confused and in serious air, two, in a backslidden state, or three, have fallen away from God altogether. So if you're in this community, at Heart of the Father, and I believe it should, should be so in any church who follows Jesus, if you say you are a Christian and you are actively participating in a homosexual lifestyle at any level, you are in serious error, you are in a backslidden state, you are not following God altogether. These are the standards according to the word of God. These are not my personal standards. These are not the personal standards of the eldership team. These are the standards of the word of God and that's where we stand. Statement number two. As a church and leadership team, we will give grace, take time to listen and speak the truth and love to believers within the church who have come out of that lifestyle and or who struggle with same-sex attraction. We will seek to empower, support, and strengthen them in their new identity in Christ so that they may live for God and be used by him to share their testimony of the freedom found in Christ. You agree with that, you can say amen. amen. There is a difference between struggling and fighting and resisting same sex attraction versus living and practicing homosexuality. Carissa is up here as someone who is fighting, who is resisting, who struggles with that. She's not currently living that kind of lifestyle. There's a big difference in that. 
And as a church, we love her. We're committed to encouraging her and strengthening her. We want to champion her. We want to see God use her as a voice to speak truth and to testify of God's saving power. So if you're in this room and you fall under the category where you struggle with same-sex attraction, can I tell you, there's hope for you, there's a listening ear for you, there's a person who's willing to not only to speak the truth in love, but they're willing to walk with you in love and speak the truth, okay? We want to do that as a community. If you are a person who does not struggle with same-sex attraction and you have no grace, you have no mercy, For those in the church who struggle with this, you need to get grace. You need to get mercy. That is unacceptable to the Lord. Has he not had mercy and grace upon you in your sin life? You may not be able to relate. You may not be able to fully understand. That's okay. You can listen. You can encourage. You can love. You can speak the truth. All right, we want a culture in this church that's like that. All right, this is why Derek Paul, he was here last year. We had a conference with him where he spoke on this issue. We plan on bringing him back again towards the latter part of this year to talk about these things. Statement number three. As a church and leadership team, We will reach out to those living a homosexual lifestyle with compassion, humility, and the uncompromising truth of God's word. Our goal will always be to lead those outside of Christ to repentance and transformation through the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you agree with that, you can say amen. Amen. Okay, our goal is not to win the argument. Our goal is to win the heart, and we can do that without compromising the truth. Some of us feel like, no, we just have to shove the truth down their throat, in their face, and in their back pocket. No, no, you can love them with compassion. Dr. Brown says this, we are to reach out with compassion and resist the agenda. That's beautifully said. We want to reach out with hearts of compassion and at the same time we can resist the agenda with courage, with the spiritual backbone. It requires both and, not either, not one or the other. And the fourth statement, as a church and leadership team, we will not cave nor give in to any cultural or governmental pressures to change or minimize our beliefs. We are committed to standing our ground on the truth of God's word, no matter who or what may come against us. If you agree with that, say amen. Amen. In other words, we just don't love the Lord, we fear the Lord. I love him, I love people, but also I fear the Lord more than I fear people. And if it gets to a point, when it gets to a point in time, there's going to be cultural pressure, political pressure, we're not going to cave. I'm not going to cave. I'm going to stand 
on the word of God by the grace of God. So those four statements are really important uh, in just communicating where we stand as a church. Some of you are new here, and this is new information to you. Um, If you guys want a copy of these four statements, I will gladly um, share them with you. So, Carissa, here you are. Um, So I wanted to, um, it was actually a couple weeks ago. So a couple weeks ago, Carissa, she made a post on social media with it being Pride Month, sharing uh, her testimony of the Lord and his power in her life and the truth she's experienced. And I read that and I thought, this is really good. Um, And I thought, maybe she can share that briefly on a Sunday. And then I thought, wait, why does she have to share it briefly? Why can't we make this a bigger deal? Because this is a big deal. So today's a big deal. (laughs) So I want to hand it over to Carissa and just give her some some free time to um, share her testimony, to share her journey in the Lord. Um, and so let's listen up. Um, I appreciate everyone um, just listening and being intentional to hear my story. Um, I do want to preface that my story is my own. There are plenty of people in the LGBT community that don't have the same story or even a similar story as me, but it all has the same root issue, and that is we don't know who we are, and we need people to love us. Um, ultimately, we need the Lord's love, but it's like that's our never-ending search is we just want love. So um, I did want to read um, part of Psalm 103 to begin as well. This really just personally means a lot to me and encompasses just what the Lord has done in my life. Um, just starting with verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. Um, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from, from us. So this, after the Lord set me free, this verse really, really meant a lot to me. Um, I wrote a couple songs out of it as well, but I just want to give a little bit of backstory. I think most of you in here know that I came out of that lifestyle, um, but I want to go a little more in depth. Um, I was raised with four brothers, Jaden, and my brother Kyron, and... Um, I have an older brother, Justin, and then my baby brother, Cade. I have no sisters. Um, When I was little, my mom was pretty sick. She had been diagnosed with bipolar disorder, and turns out all of this stuff was actually just her thyroid, but it really messed her up. So, like, in crucial years of my life, I didn't have someone to really help me with my femininity, my womanhood. So I had my dad and my brothers, and my dad worked all the time, and, you know, did his best to provide for us, and I was really close with my brothers, so I didn't have a lot of female friends. I didn't have that influence growing up, so I just I just knew I needed to be like my brothers. I was just doing what they were doing. 
I acted like they acted. And um, I remember from a really, really young age, I always felt trapped inside my body. I was like, I feel like maybe I was adopted or something. And I, um, I didn't know what it was about, though. I had no idea what homosexuality was. I had no idea what any of that stuff was. Um, I just knew that I always wanted to be a boy. And I would always have dreams of me being in relationships. But in my dreams, I was a boy and I was with a girl. Um, so all of my like fantasies, imaginations, I was, I was somebody other than who I was. And I just never had that. And this is, I don't hold anything towards my parents for this at all, but there was just no affirmation of who I was. I felt like the opposite happened growing up, and it was just like nothing I did was good enough. Like I didn't ever dress feminine enough. It was just... You know, it, it just wasn't meeting that standard instead of like the getting the help and education that I needed to be a woman. It was almost, in a sense, degraded. Um, but again, I love my parents and I know that they did the best that they could raising me. And I, I know that they love me. So I'm, it's definitely not the issue. But um, throughout, I was homeschooled all the way up through middle school and then... Um, I started going to a private school, and having friends was hard. I, I know I, I struggled so much. I just wanted to fit in. I wanted to, I remember uh, there were specific girls that I was like, man, I just want to be their friend. I just thought they were so cool, and I just felt, like, drawn to, like, specific people. And I, like, having, making friends with guys was easy. Like, I was always friends with guys. But, like, having close friends that were female was always so hard for me. Um, so it wasn't until people found out that I had a musical gift that they wanted to be my friend either. So then all of a sudden people started like coming around and, um, yeah, I just, I, that's, that's a huge area I struggled with. And then graduating high school, still didn't have like female friends. And then, um, when I was, I also, a huge, huge part of my story is that I never really had a good relationship with my father. Um, we are really doing really well right now, but that just not having that, I don't know, just a detached relationship from, from your parents in any way, it's just, it doesn't help you with that. Um, you feel like something's missing, you feel like you're not getting that love and affirmation, so um, that was a huge part of my story, and um, when I was 19, my family and I went to Kansas on vacation, and I met a girl while I was out there, and we got really close, still had no like, I had no indicator at all, or no, nothing was on my radar that I was struggling with homosexuality. Um, but I remember um, I was so, like, for some reason, like, I had obsessive thoughts over this girl, and I was, like, nothing inappropriate, but it was just, like, I just wanted to, like, talk to her all the time. I just wanted to, like, be around her all the time, and I didn't understand that. But I didn't really think too much of it, and I just was, like, I decided I wanted to go to college in Kansas, but I was really going out there for her. And so I went out there. I was only out there for a semester, but just, like, not um, too far in. I was already doing stuff with her that I shouldn't have been doing, experimenting sexually, um, and just, yeah, just doing, just doing things that we, we hid it from everyone, and then, it, you know, finally came out, thank God. Um, and then I ended up coming back to Florida, but that was the first um, relationship that I had ever been in. And I remember thinking, 
my dad used to tell me growing up, he said, if you don't feel any conviction, then you don't have the Holy Spirit. Like he would say that my whole life. And I was like, I remember in the middle of me, like making out with this girl one day, literally, I was like, I don't feel any conviction. I was like, well, I guess I don't have the Holy Spirit and I don't care. I just like remember thinking that it was like, just screw it all. I don't really, I don't really care. Um, and I just wanted to keep doing what I was doing. You know, just if it felt good, I wanted to just keep doing it. Um, but I came back to Florida, and I went to the other extreme of having a religious upbringing. So it was really strict growing up, and um, I tended to be a little more rebellious because of that. I wanted freedom. I wanted to do what I felt was right for myself. Um, but then after that happened, it kind of scared me a little bit, and I was like, oh, wait, am I not attracted to the guys? And... I went to the other extreme. I tried to be whatever I thought my standard of femininity was. Ended up in a relationship with a guy, and we were engaged. And it didn't. I, I just woke up one day and realized I didn't want to be with him. I know I didn't love him, so I ended up breaking things off. So nothing ever happened with that. But I just went like you, if you look through my story, you can see my wrestle. I'm like trying to figure out what, who am I? Like, do I like women? Do I like men? I don't even know what this means. And I didn't know a lot about homosexuality. So most of my story is really me just figuring out who I was. Like, really, that's all it was. And I wrestled with it because I being raised in religion. I was like, I don't know. I don't even know. I, I would question if it was right or wrong at times, too. I didn't really know what the Bible said about it. I didn't ever look. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Oh, that's on me, but um, yeah, I, I, it's like I didn't even go and search for God for myself either. Um, but yeah, so I experimented, did a lot of things that I shouldn't have done, and then I went to the other extreme. I thought that maybe if I'm in a relationship with a guy, that'll fix me. That maybe, maybe I'm not actually attracted to women. That like if I can do this, then it'll like turn it around somehow. Um, and he. Um, he didn't do that for me. Um, it was just, I just realized I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't enjoying myself. I didn't like him and I had like no romantic feelings whatsoever. And so I just, I ended it and have not spoken to him since. But um, it wasn't like a, in my mind it was serious, but because of what I was trying to accomplish internally, I didn't even know that's what I was doing. Um, I was using him to try and figure myself out. Um, but after that, a few months went by and we started going to, my family and I started going to a church. It was the first Pentecostal church we'd ever been to, so that was huge. Um, we were, I was not raising that at all. Like, speaking in tongues, doing anything that was of the gifts of the Holy Spirit was just totally not for our time. It was, you know, back then, you've heard, you've heard that a lot before, I'm sure. But, um, so going to that was just like our family was like trying a new avenue. We were, I guess, open to that now. And so I went there and the pastor was awesome. He was really intentional. Like you could, he, he talked about the love of God, not something we really heard a lot growing up, but um, he was just over, overall like very loving and accepting of people. And um, I had grown up playing music. My entire family is musical. I always was involved in worship somehow, even though I wasn't really serving the Lord. But um, I ended up being the worship leader for this church. 
um, big mistake. I ended up in a relationship with his daughter for almost two years, and we were engaged, and it was a really, really toxic relationship. So, so you're, you would say in that time you were not walking with the Lord. Correct. You're on staff at a church leading worship because you're gifted. Yes. And you're in a relationship with the pastor's daughter. Yep. And you guys were engaged. Yep. Did the past, did dad slash the pastor know? Oh, no. Absolutely not. Okay. Yeah, nobody really knew. So, okay. yeah, I don't think anyone knew at all. Um, and that's another thing about my story is there are a lot of people that lived in that lifestyle or came out of that lifestyle that were very much openly that way. It wasn't like I would have hit it if someone came and asked me, but I wasn't also out there advertising it. I wasn't like, you know, letting everyone know what I believed and where I stood and what my sexuality was or what I identified as. Like, um, that just wasn't, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so we were together for almost two years secretly, and then um, her dad found out. And this is probably the best part of my, my life, honestly, like the Lord revealed my sin <laughs> to other people and like, it came to light. Like that's um, the amazing thing about, about God is that he brings it to light and because he loves you, because he loved me, he was like, it's time, like you're, you're coming out. Um, and so what I looked at as rejection for the longest time was actually him loving me. And so he found out, he basically just cut ties with me and his family. I can understand, I would have been angry too had I found that out about my daughter living in that relationship with someone else. But, um, so I had no one and let me backtrack. So that was uh, 2016, towards the end of 2016, right around the time I met them. Um, and a couple years, almost a couple years prior to that, my, so like I, I hinted before, I had kind of, um, had a rough relationship with my father growing up. Um, so a couple years, almost a couple years prior to that, I had lost connection with my family um, due, due to some issues with my relationship with my dad. And so I hadn't had any communication with them for the entirety of my relationship with this girl. And we didn't have relational issues, me and my father, because of this. This, was, this happened after the fact. But um, so... I didn't have anyone to call whenever I lost the only family I had. And I was like, well, I, I, gotta, I gotta call someone. So I called my family in Kansas because I stayed with them when I was out there before and they didn't answer. I called my ex and like 10 times she didn't answer. And I like called everyone but my immediate family that I could think of that would maybe be there for me. And nobody answered the phone. I was like, man, my God, you're doing this to me. Like, I have to actually reach out to my family. And so, I was like, well, if I'm gonna call anyone, I'm gonna call my brother. So I called my brother, Kyron, and as soon as I called, called him, like on the first ring, he answers the phone and he's like just wanting to do anything he can to meet up with me and to like welcome me back in the family, try to get me to come home. Like he was just all about like restoration and he like apologized to me like the first chance he got for how he treated me when everything went down with my family. It was just like, he was all for just like, I just want you, want you back around. Like I just want you back in my life. And, I definitely felt like God's love in that. Um, so I ended up coming back home and there was a, like a reunion, restoration with my family, my parents, and the first thing my dad says after that is, you've gotta check out this worship leader at our church we're going to. 
and they had just started going to a new church, uh, Revive, so he was talking about Allison, he's like, you, you, he's like, you gotta meet her, you know, whatever, he just like was raving about the worship and all this stuff, and so first chance I got, I went to church there, and I'm giving you a pretty brief synopsis of everything, but um, I, I went there, and I went up to meet her, and She's like, I've heard so many things, so many great things about you, whatever. So like, I started, you know, relationship with them, and uh, they were very. Brandon and Allison have been the reason that I am serving the Lord today. Um, I cannot stress enough, like what they mean to me, and what they have done for me to love me back into a relationship with the Lord. Um, it's because of their intentionality and their sacrifices in my life that I actually can say I know the Lord today. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that right there is what led me to make the post that I made on Facebook because I see a lot of misunderstandings and um, judgment, and I understand why. It's a very scary agenda. The way it's presented is very aggressive and frightening. But not everyone is like that, that's in that community. And there are probably more people than not that are like me, that just need someone to love them. And just show them Jesus before they start telling them, hey, you're wrong, you're, you're living in sin. Um, yeah, that's a very brief, a version of my testimony, and there are a, there are a lot of other details I could talk about, but you, yeah. So, um, could could you describe? And we talked about this stuff um, beforehand, but talk about your mental health. Where were you at mentally um, throughout this journey of struggling with homosexuality? Yeah, um, for most of my teenage years and up, I have struggled heavily with depression. Um, it's been a ongoing battle. Even to this day, I still, I still deal with it. But um, leading up to that was just so much mental torment. And, you know, the, the enemy puts thoughts in your head that you're, you know, you're, you're wrong or there's something wrong with you. Or, like, thoughts of shame, all that stuff that comes with this struggle. Like, like I mentioned before, thinking that I was supposed to be a boy in my whole life, like that's not normal, you know? Um, so that's, that's definitely been a huge, huge area. And, like, and I, a lot of people I have talked to are known, I had friends, I have friends in the LGBT community and that's something that they deal with as well. And I'm not saying the mental illness is only in that group of people, but it's definitely a huge struggle because it's, think about it from the beginning, they think that they, are wrong, like there's something wrong with them. Like that's the, first, that's the first place it starts. They don't know who they are and they think that they're supposed to be somebody else. So that just opens the door wide open for, uh, for like torment, mental torment, shame, depression, and just confusion. So, yeah. Yeah, what did, uh, so you mentioned <clears throat> um, not knowing who you were. You mentioned a lack of affirmation growing up. So what, what did like freedom look like for you in this process? Man, that's a, oh, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to quote Derek Kirkman on this one. He, um, he gave me a whole like note on what freedom meant and it just blew my mind a few years ago. But 
This is the statement I feel like is most accurate to answer this question. Freedom is not the absence of something, but the presence of someone. And I always thought that I just needed to get free from this thing. If I just wasn't struggling with this anymore, then I would feel better. If I just had somebody to love me, then I would, you know, feel better. If I just had friends, if I just had somebody close to me, I would feel better or I would be free. I wouldn't struggle with this anymore. If I could just get more money and not struggle financially, I would feel, you know, anything that I could tell myself to make me feel better about what I was struggling with. Um, if I could just get this thing to not be here, then I'll be better. But the thing is, I still struggle with those thoughts. They still come, and I just know how to handle it now. Like, I just know the truth. And the truth, literally, in the Bible, it says, the truth shall set you free, and you will be free indeed. <clears throat> and that, just knowing who I was and having people tell me who I am has been huge, has been the biggest reason I feel like I'm able to say I'm confident that I'm free. And even though those thoughts still come, my response to it is, well, that's not who I am. Like, the enemy still tries the same old tricks, you know? Like, oh, you're, you're gay. Oh, you're struggling. Like, I think of one person or whatever in my mind, and the enemy's like, yeah, you have, you have feelings for her. I'm like, no, I don't. You know, that's not who I am. That's, that's, that's not who I am, you know? Um, I, don't wanna, I don't have to believe the lie. Like, um, the bird can fly over your head, but don't let it build a nest. So. That's good. Now, so do you see yourself getting married one day? Having children? I wasn't prepared for this question. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> Listen, this was not on the list. <laughs> Stone curveball. No, because we've, we've talked about that. We've had conversations with Carissa. What does it look like marriage for her? Having a family one day. And um, at least what you've told us, or, yeah. and maybe I heard you wrong, but your heart is for that and yeah. you are open for that. And so, um, it's beautiful. It is beautiful to see this, see the Lord work in her life. Um, so, how, what role did the church play in all of this for you? Because for the most part, there's always a stigma in the, ch in the church, like, oh, something's wrong with you guys, don't touch me, I'll get what you have, and just like, don't talk about it or keep it over there on the side, keep it quiet. Um, yeah, how would you describe the church's role in your journey of all of this, the good and bad. And okay, I was going to ask, yeah. Um, the bad stuff, I would say, has been mostly just um, ignorance or um, religion, judge, judgment from people. Like I said, I never lived openly, so I didn't get a lot of stuff from people, but it was actually, most of it happened before I even knew I struggled with that, because growing up, I would you know, be with people, we'd be watching TV, and a lot of people in the religious circle that I would be around would see, like, an ad or a commercial come on, and, like, there's two, you know, gay people kissing or something like that, and they would just immediately freak out and disgust. It'd be, like, the worst thing they could have possibly seen in their entire life. And I'm like, wow, I never want to do that because they'll disown me, or they'll, like, never want to be around me. Like, I, my fear of that judgment happened before I even knew I was that way, you know? So... And I've been around a lot of people who didn't know I was living that lifestyle, and they had very strong opinions from a religious standpoint of, you know, of that circle. And so in the negative, it definitely, you know, put a lot of fear and confusion in my mind whenever 
I knew that I couldn't talk. I was like, I can't talk about this with anyone. If I ever do struggle with this, like the first thing they're gonna do is like reject me, you know, or make me feel so much shame or make me feel stupid for even like falling into that. So that's the bad side of it. And so that made you keep it in the dark, which whatever is in the dark, you can't be, you're bound up. Mm-hmm. You won't get free from that. So yep. that would point to us, it's important for us to always have a listening ear for people's struggles, yes. to listen, to talk with them, to hear them out. Um, and there will come a time where you need to and you will speak the truth to them in love, but we need to listen. It's okay to listen to someone, hear their story. And so what, was, what were some of the positive effects? So it wasn't actually until I would say I started going to Revive, so Church and Stewart, that I actually felt like people weren't that judgmental. Um, not necessarily like I felt like just so loved by everyone, but like people who knew that about me, it wasn't like the worst thing in the world. Like they didn't respond like, oh, wow, like you were you're living that life. That's crazy. What was that like? Like they weren't like, you know, <laughs> it's like this is weird. Like I'm dealing with an alien right now. Um, yeah. So they, their response was pretty normal. Like I was like, oh, cool. Like God, you know, saved you from that. I was like, whatever, you know. So it, but I would say mostly since then, on it's been a pretty normal response um just because i feel like especially in our body i feel like everyone is pretty emotionally mature like like this kind of stuff is not very shocking to people anymore but um like especially because everyone just kind of knows that about me already but um yeah i don't feel like people treat me different now but i've had that happen people who were um Believer, professing believers would, you know, maybe be afraid of me liking them or um, just not know how to handle me or, like, whatever. But I would say for the most part, like, I've felt really loved and accepted and people have been patient with me and wanted to have conversations with me and just hear my story. So that has been the most helpful part, just people loving me and listening and, you know, telling me the truth 100%. Absolutely. Yeah, we've had conversations with Carissa where we'll ask her, you know, do, do you like someone or because sometimes we're so driven by the fear of like, what if they like someone? Well, how about we just ask them through relationship, right? Build a relationship, ask them questions, dive in their story with them and you never know what they'll share, but let's not be afraid of what they may say. Um, so what advice would you give to some parents whose child maybe struggling with homosexual feelings, thoughts? Yeah. Um, biggest one is be there, be present. Um, be very, very quick to listen and understand their feelings because they may be very irrational, but, and they're not gonna make sense to you, if you, especially if you don't struggle with that or never have, but just try to listen and understand, ask questions, but just make sure that they know that you love them and that you're a safe place for them. Good. Um, okay, what advice would you give to Christians who are working with someone who is a, an openly gay, lesbian, transgender person? Um, they're just a person. So they're a human being like everyone else. They're not different. I mean, they're wrong, they're living in sin. But there are a lot of people that are living in sin, and it's a different kind of sin. Yeah. Yeah. And like, well, you don't treat them different. 
So I wouldn't be intimidated by it. Like I said, I know the agenda is scary, the way that's presented today especially, but they're just a human being, and no matter how much sin that they're living in, you still love them the same as anyone else. You still talk to them the same as anyone else. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, you tell them the truth just like you would anyone else. But I would say that first and foremost, if you want to reach somebody, you need to love them, um, no matter what they're struggling with. Yeah, so because we were in the office and we were talking, um, when you watch the news, at least in my mind, there's this picture of the LGBT community, and they're so angry, they're so filled with hate, and they're ready to go to war with anyone who tries to tell them anything other, other than that, other than what they want to hear and be affirmed for. That's the picture I have in my mind of that community. But when I think about, okay, what's my story with Carissa? It was nothing like that. And so I think sometimes where we fail is that whatever is portrayed in the world of media, that's the absolute truth for all the individuals. And it's not true. Now, there are some out there who are absolutely filled with hate and ready to go to war, and you can't tell them anything. That's true. But when you are working with someone, when you meet someone, if that's your first assumption then you're going to be really defensive. You're not going to be led by the Spirit. You're going to get caught in the flesh, and it's going to be a fight and an argument and a war. But if you think of them like, man, what if they're just broken? Like, what if they're just struggling and they're looking for truth? And um, would you say, like, speak into that. Speak into kind of what we see portrayed in that community versus, like, Maybe what's there? Yeah, um, something to remember is that this group of people is the minority, so their voice is very loud, but they're not very big. Um, kind of think about a mouse with a light blowing up a shadow. Um, not to say that they're, it's not scary what they're saying, and it's not aggressive and intense what they're saying, but they are the minority. Um, and like he was saying, not everyone is like that. Um, I've had many, many friends who identify as homosexual or gay or whatever, and I have even had, I mean, a hot topic right now is what is a woman? People are, you know, in the drag community, transgender, whatever. Um, I've had conversations with people who are openly homosexual, and they're like, yeah, I'm a woman. Like, there's only two genders. Um, so like, there, there's a lot of people in that community that even think that idea is kind of dumb. Like that there's like 99 genders or whatever. So like they're not, they're not all that way. There's just a, an agenda, an attack on people's identity and the media is shoving that in our face. So I would say always assume the best as First Corinthians says, um, uh, love believes the best. So that's what you should do in this case in all cases, but if you're working with someone or you just are afraid of that image, that picture that the media is, is painting, like just assume the best. They're a person with feelings that doesn't know the Lord, and you get to be somebody to show them the Lord, so. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Now, how, how would you advise us or encourage people to share the truth without coming across as hateful, mean, arrogant, prideful, religious, how, how do we? 
I would start by, you want to make, like I said before, you want to make sure that you love them and that they know that. No one's going to receive something that intense from you if they don't feel safe with you. Um, but ask them questions. Don't just be like, you're going to hell if you live in this lifestyle. Or you're, you're, homosexuality is a sin. You know that, right? Like, you're going to spend eternity apart from God. Like, as true as that is, maybe ask them, hey, what do you, what do you believe about God? Or what do you believe about this? It opens up the conversation instead of it just coming in, guns blazing, like, this is wrong, this is wrong. Like, if you do this or you continue to do this, like, God hates you, all this stuff. Like, I would ask them questions. Make yourself and the whole conversation approachable and make them feel safe. So treat them like you would your closest friends. Like, if, if they're struggling with something, you want them to feel safe and you want them to feel like, you know, you actually care about them and their, and their emotions. Like, you can tell the truth and do it in a super, super loving way. So I would, I would start by just, like, you know, be really thoughtful of how you're coming across to them. Um, yeah, because you do want to tell them that the way that they're living is going to keep them from eternity with the Lord. But there's a way to say it that's not aggressive, I would say. So instead of just being like, yeah, what you're doing is sin, and, you know, you're going to go to hell for that, just be like, like, God loved you enough to keep you from living that way so that you could spend eternity with him. You don't have to spend eternity apart from him. Um, but, yeah, definitely, like, get work up to that. Don't just be like, this is a sin. You're going to hell. Yeah. yeah. No, you think about, think about the life of Jesus, that he was known as a man who ate with tax collectors and sinners, like, that was part of his reputation. He was known as someone who was around the sticky and the ugly and the messy people of the world. And he didn't just sit there and affirm them in their sin, but he invited them to come and experience transformation. He invited them into the truth. He put it out there, hey, here's the truth. And it was up to them if they wanted to experience the truth or not. And so I think sometimes, like, even for me, like, I want someone to experience the truth of God so much that I'm willing to do anything, okay, shove it in their face, and maybe they'll get it. It's not my responsibility. My responsibility is to present the truth of God's word, as it says in the Bible, and it's up to them if they want to walk into this or not. And we have to remember... Jesus, and you quoted earlier, John 8, Jesus says, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free, right? It is the truth. When we speak the truth, that provides an open door for an encounter. It's only the truth. So you do have to have a backbone to be able to say it at a certain point in the conversation. You have to get to a point where you tell them the truth, because when you do that, you are opening up the word of God to them. You are inviting in the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, into the conversation. And then you let the Lord move and work and have his way. Um, I was thinking about a couple of things. You know, how you say something is just as important as what you say. You know what, you can, I mean, you, you and I, we, you can sense when someone's just telling you something and they don't really care about you. Right? We're not idiots in the room. Well, they're not idiots either. They can tell when you really care. Now, there is going to be a portion of people in this community who, no matter what we say, no matter how well we do it, they are going to say it's hateful. 
And you and I, we have to be okay with that. We have to know before the Lord, Lord, my heart was right and my words were true. They still think I'm hateful and that's okay. Lord, you be my judge. So just because they say this is hate speech doesn't mean we don't say and speak the truth. No, no, we are going to say and speak the truth. We can't determine how they view us or not as far as speaking God's word. Um, okay, anything else you want to? On that, no. No, I didn't. No. Check, check. All right, here we go. No, I think, I think okay. that covers it for that. Okay, I want to share one story to close up here. So uh, once again, in this book, Outlasting the Gay Revolution, um, Dr. Brown shares a story they had a protest at the church that he helped found in North Carolina. This is 2012. The police called him, informed him that there's going to be a protest at his church um, from some LGBT activist group, right? And so he heard about it, and he wrote a blog in response to this, hopefully hoping it would reach this community. And he says, here's what he says in his blog. On behalf of Fire Church, I want to extend to you the warmest welcome and let you know that we are thrilled that you are here with us on Sunday. <laughs> we have been praying for you for a, a very long time. As always, you will, only meet, you, you will only meet with love, kindness, and respect from the fire leadership and congregants. And we proclaim to you the once again, once again the amazing grace of God. Jesus died to save us from our sins, heterosexual and homosexual alike, and only in him can we find forgiveness, redemption, and transformation. Jesus alone is the healer, savior, deliverer, and transformer. So he writes that, puts that out there in public. <clears throat> he then talks to the pastor of Fire Church, and that pastor wrote a, um, uh, wrote a comment on in, a blog in response and put it on a website in preparation for this protest. And he said this, as the pastor of Fire Church, I just want you to know that you'll be greeted with the same love and compassion as we always endeavor to show anyone. You are more than welcome. You make mention of the hate that we show. Yet in all our years here, we've only desired to reach out with love to everyone in the local community here, whether they are labeled as gay or straight. Hopefully, you'll see that love demonstrated on Sunday as you protest. Goes on to say, on Sunday morning, about 10 protesters showed up. We were disappointed that there were so few. And some of our congregants met with them and offered them water and snacks and shared God's love and truth and then invited them to join us in the service. After a few minutes, they left. Explaining, they were, explaining that we were too nice and too loving to deserve a protest. <laughs> Bear in mind that these protesters know the stands we have taken for biblical values, yet they also recognize our genuine love for them and saw that we were full of kindness, not hate. The next day, the leader of the protest called my radio show to apologize publicly for the protests, explaining that their anger was aimed in the wrong direction. And then he said this, once we got there Sunday morning, we were greeted with absolutely perfect love. I mean, it was fantastic. Subsequently, Scott Volk, who was the pastor of the church, 
Um, Scott Volk and I invited him and his partner to join us for dinner, the four of us discussing how we could li- live in goodwill as neighbors and coworkers in the same given city, in the same city, given the depth of our differences. The dinner was as candid as it was cordial, without the slightest hint of anything that remotely resembled hate from, us, from any of us at the table, which reinforces the problem created by gay activist rhetoric. The vast, vast majority of us are not bigoted backwoods preachers. We simply don't fit the description, and that will be one of the keys to our success, since the more we are demonized, the more the real demonizers will be exposed. Light will always expose darkness. So it is absolutely necessary that we continue to be people of the light, filled with integrity and truth and love. My prayer is that one day, as a church, there will be a protest out there. And I just can't wait to see how we respond. I kind of wonder how we'll respond. But ask yourself, what would you do if you drove up here on a Sunday morning and there's protesters all along Bartow Road right there saying, this church hates the LGBT community. This church hates people. God is love. They don't love. What would we do? I think it would put us in a great position to share the gospel. To maybe hear some of their stories. And then share the truth of freedom that's found in Christ. That's what we should be doing. So if you've come ready to fight and you got your gun and your sword and you're ready to go to war in that sense... Jesus would tell you, like he told Peter, put your sword away. He who lives by the sword will die by the sword. There's a new way we live. It's called the truth of God's word. So to close out today, um, Toby went to Barry earlier in the service and felt like we were supposed to pray for prodigals. I want us to take a moment to, to pray for prodigals. Um, specifically prodigals in the LGBT community. I think we would be shocked to see how many of them were raised in a Christian home or used to go to church. So could you all stand with me? And Carissa, do you want to lead us out in prayer for the Lord to touch hearts in the LGBT community? And even for the Lord to touch our hearts, to reach out to them. Holy Spirit, I thank you so much for your love. I thank you for your kindness and your mercy. God, right now I just ask that you would grip every heart of someone who is lost. God, that you you would put this pit inside of them, God, that they would know that they have to come home, God. They know that it's only you that can satisfy that longing in their heart, God. God, that you would reveal to them their sin and you would reveal to them who you are, perfect and holy. 
God, I ask that you would reveal to them your love, your deep, profound love for them, God. They'd be washed with that, God, that they would know that you love them. And they can only find that in you. God, I pray for a deep compassion in believers, God. I, I ask that you would open up anyone's eyes who just lacks understanding or um, maybe they're, they're confused or, or um, intimidated, God, by this community, God. I ask that you would just give them compassion and give them your eyes, God. Holy Spirit, help them see these people like you see them. God, that they would love them. Your kindness leads people to repentance, God, so we just pray that now. We agree with your love, with your kindness, with your mercy. God, I ask for boldness to share the truth. Yes. That we would share the truth in love and in kindness, God. We wouldn't waver. We wouldn't change our mind or try to deliver it softly just because we might offend someone. God, I ask that you would just give us boldness. In Jesus' name. Yeah, Father, thank you. Thank you for your grace. I pray for this community, Lord, that you would raise us up to be voices of truth in this culture and in this generation. Father, I pray you would raise up those like Carissa who used to live that lifestyle, but now they're living an altogether different lifestyle. Lord, would you raise them up in the church that they would speak the truth to their generation? God, would you, God, release your light in the dark places and draw men to yourselves, that you would draw men and women who are lost to the person of Jesus. God, we just pray that you would have mercy and have great grace upon that community and that you would use us in a powerful, mighty way. God, we thank you for your gospel of truth that is transforming power. We thank you that your presence will come and rest upon the truth when it is spoken, God. So we pray that you would ignite us with a passion to have compassion and to speak the truth in love. Lord, I pray there would be a greater measure of clarity and compassion and conviction upon us as your people when it comes to these issues, Lord. Would you give us wisdom? Would you give us grace? Father, we love you, and we will obey you, no matter what the cost is. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, be seated one more time. Okay, Carissa, can you share um, some resources that have helped you along this journey? Uh, the first one being the Bible. Um, <laughs> Psalms has been huge for me, um, just because you see that someone who absolutely loved the Lord and was a um, spiritual leader in the Bible struggled immensely with his emotions, and so that helped me. I felt understood. Um, so yeah, definitely the Bible. Um, and then second, uh, Jackie Hill Perry, I don't know if you guys are familiar with her. She has a book called uh, Gay Girl, Good God. I've never felt more like someone understood my struggle than when I was reading that book, I felt like someone was inside my head. So if you just simply want to understand what it's like to struggle with that, read that book. And then add a couple more to it. So Dr. Brown, I mean, he's an incredible guy, but he wrote two books, Can You Be Gain Christian? I would say when I read that book, that's probably one of the top 10 best books I've ever read in all categories. 
That book is phenomenal. Can you be gay and Christian? Uh, the second one, Outlasting the Gay Revolution. There's a book by a brother named David Foster called Sexual Healing. Um, book uh, by a brother named Joe Dallas called Gay Gospel. As she mentioned, uh, Gay Girl, Good God by Jackie Hill Perry. The Word of God, right? Um, also, we have, as I mentioned, um, Derek Paula. We plan on him coming back at, towards the end of the year uh, just to continue to speak uh, the truth with clarity, with conviction, with compassion. Because if you are, so I'm, I'm 34, right? If you are a millennial or younger, guys, this is the issue of our generation. It is not going away, period. We can wish it away. We could hope it away. We could pray it away. It's not going away. So we need clarity. We need conviction. We need compassion. Um, and then also, so Carissa, she is a voice of freedom. There's a song she wrote. It's called Freedom. It's powerful. It's beautiful. That will minister to you. Um, she's got a couple worship albums out. Some, uh, she's a singer-songwriter, so there's a couple things she's had that she's released. One is it's called Exposing My Heart. Another one, Memos. Another one, Now We're Getting Somewhere. So I would encourage you, listen to some of her stuff. It will minister to you. Uh, it's powerful. Um, so those are some resources that will help you um, if you want to dive more into these things or if you need encouragement in this area. Also, Carissa is a resource. Uh, she's willing to pray. She's willing to partner with you to see you through it till the end. So amen, amen. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. If you'd like to join us on a Sunday morning or other weekly gathering, know that you're more than welcome. And if you'd like other resources on or about this ministry, or for any deeper questions you may have, be sure to visit our website at hotfmlakeland.com.